From the Department of Theater and Film at the University of Mississippi, this is Stage and Screen. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Stage and Screen. I'm your host, Katherine Stewart, and today we are visiting with Lauren Bone Noble, our assistant professor of movement for the actor, who is here to tell us all about her solo show, Fury, which is an interpretation of the Greek myth of Medea told in the Buffon clown style. Lauren had so many fascinating things to say about Medea, about clowning, and about her experiences performing this show. And by the way, she's got an upcoming one at United Solo in New York next month. More on that later. Anyway, I think you're going to enjoy listening to this conversation as much as we enjoyed having it. So without further ado, here's Lauren. Well, hello, Lauren. It is so nice to see you and talk with you today. It's nice to see you and talk with you. Thank you. I am very excited to talk about this show because I have seen it and I loved it. So <laughs> I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, I'm happy to be able to share it with our wider audience. So, um, yeah, just just to start us off, if you wouldn't mind, just give us a, a summary of the show. What is it? Well, um, I think if I was going to say to someone who'd never seen the show before and I wanted to entice them, to come see it. I think I would say this show is a journey into the myth of Medea in the delightfully niche and deliciously naughty um, clown style of Buffon. And then I would hope what people would take away from that would they would remember the words delicious, naughty, and clown. <laughs> then they would be like, I think I need to see that. I don't know why, but I think I need to. And and that's that's kind of the way I feel about the show. I I could totally go into like clown 101. If you want to if you want to go down that road, I'll go down it with you. But as far as my show is concerned, I I think it's best left with a little bit of mystery about it mm -hmm. because it is avant-garde. It is not, there is no couch down center. <laughs> you know what I mean? It ain't that show. So I think when people walk in the door, I want them to walk in thinking, I don't know what this is going to be, but I think I might like it. And my experience is that for the most part, people seem to have that reaction that it, it resonates with them despite the fact that there's no couch there's no kitchen sink even though a kitchen is referred to <laughs> it's it's this uh grander story of a woman we think we know who is we are more like than we may wish to confess to wow that's an excellent introduction oh good without giving too much away without giving too much away so when when did you write this play and how how did you come up with it? I wrote the play in the before times. <laughs> Pre-pandemic. I think it was like 2000 gosh. 17 or so I went and did a a, clown, a Buffon clown workshop and when I left it I thought to myself I have to write a Buffon show for myself to do in fact i don't even think i said that I, I said it aloud i mean i to my teacher and he was like oh buffons really are better in groups 
don't you know people that will want to do this? And I said, no, I don't really think I do. <laughs> Plus, I want to make something myself. I've spent my whole artistic life as an interpretive artist, as an actor. I really want to be very selfish. And so I kind of set about the work of writing it, but it took me a long time, mm. like two years really to get the show to where it now exists. And then I started performing it and then pandemic happened and it, it went into, you know, the box where we put things during the COVID times, which are not, I guess, over, but um, and now, but now I've been able to do it some more and get out there with it. So that's cool. Um, without generating too many spoilers, can you tell us a little bit about the myth of Medea and, and how you were inspired to combine that character with the clown style? Yeah, let me, I guess first, let me say why I was inspired to combine the character with the clown style. Um, because when I first started working on the show, it was, it was nothing. It was just me in a room in a sort of practice Buffon <laughs> suit, <laughs> moving around and kind of looking at myself and trying to figure out what I was going to do. And it was really out of frustration that I thought about, well, what have I done before that has felt really satisfying to me? And what I had done before that was really satisfying was taking existing stories and riff on them. Mm. And I immediately thought of Medea because her tale is so, number one, feminine in nature. Um, everything about her just resonates of the female journey. And then um, it's operatic, like it's big stuff. Mm. It's not like, mm, I don't like my hair color. It's, <laughs> it's the big issues of life, right? And so uh, I immediately thought of that story and that I wanted to do my play, base my play on her, her story. But the great thing that happened was then doing the research about her mythology. There were so many things that I didn't know hmm. about her that were rich and funny and crazy and infuriating that uh, it was just a treasure, you know, like all Greek mythology is like a, a bowl of spaghetti. It's just so many intertwining stories that you have a connection with. If you know the story of Jason and the Argonauts, you know a little bit about Medea. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, that was, that was really fun to jump in to that research you can go in there and never come out of that cave. <laughs> I mean, it's so rich, but she, she is thought to have been from what is now the country of Georgia. In the mythology, it's referred to as Colchis, but it's on that side of the far side of the Black Sea, not too far from Ukraine, interestingly. And um, so she was thought of in that myth structure of the Greeks as a foreigner. She was from the edge of the known world. Who is she? She is a stranger. And because of that, I think in the Euripides play, she's misused a little bit. She is the other, the strange, powerful sorceress from away. 
and he kind of he does her a little dirty in, um, in his play of her so part of my thought was that she is reclaiming her story that has been appropriated if i may <laughs> by this guy who's like hey i want to win me a prize at the playwriting contest and so um my thought was that she is now retelling her story herself with the audience as her scene partner really mm -hmm. since it's a one-person show the audience is that's who i'm talking to so she's talking to so that's kind of how that came into being it was a lot of writing and going to the rehearsal hall and playing with what i just written and then fixing it and play just play 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 get in there and mess around until it became something um so you mentioned that the audience is your scene partner yes <laughs> in this show so how, how do you as a solo performer decide which members of the audience to try to interact with well, I worked for many, many years as a young actor in Renaissance festivals, at Renaissance festivals, and that's really how I learned how to do interactive theater. Mm -hmm. uh, one in particular in Western New York, um, on the wooded lip of Lake Ontario, it was just like, you know, a young actor's delightful playground. We'd spend 10 hours a day in character interacting with people and you learn so much by that kind of extended improvisational play you there were breaks of course and we would go on breaks but even if we would sit outside on the ground and eat our lunch you're eating your lunch in character and um it, it's just a great training for for interacting improvisationally with the audience and knowing how to pick people. You wanna pick people who are compliant. You don't want to pick somebody who's like, oh, me, 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 me. Cause that person's gonna take the show away from you. Mm -hmm. I still have to keep my show on track. <laughs> um, it's not so interactive that we could go anywhere. And it's, I've tried to be very thoughtful about how I have crafted the interactive moment. So, there are certain answers that people are going to give mm. for the most part. Every once in a while, somebody surprises me, but for the most part, people have done what I thought they were going to do. And I have kind of, if it's this, I'll go this way. And if it's that, I'll go that way. And if it's not either of those things, then I have, I always have a safety for myself. Um, that was not always the case. I have one moment where, nobody said anything close to what I thought what they'd always done and it was I was shocked and I got a little stuck and fortunately my spouse was in the audience and he <laughs> he got us back on track but it 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 was a early on when I was just starting to perform it and it was a great wake-up call to I need to have these safeties in place for every interactive moment just in case but for the most part, um, people are willing, and I try. I also try and be very gentle and um, kind in those interactions. I never want to shame anybody or embarrass anybody mm -hmm. or make somebody feel bad about 
their answer, they should always feel good about it so that they want to play more. But if I shame somebody right out of the gate, then they're going to be like, well, I don't want to play. So that's also what I learned in those many, many years of, of re the Renaissance <laughs> was that you want to encourage people to be on your side, to play with you. And so kind of taking them metaphorically by the hand, sometimes literally, <laughs> uh, is, a, is a way to lead them into the, the interaction so they feel good about it and like they want to do it more. And then there's also the time that, that you want to, when do you want to shut it off? Because you don't want people just shouting things out willy nilly. Then you lose control of the play and it's something else. So um, yeah, that's, that's, and so I pick people that look to be willing um, and, and I also try and interact with them kindly so that they will feel safe to respond. So um, you started writing this in, it sounds like 2017, and I think began performing it in 2019. But since you've been, um, since you've been with the department, you've had the opportunity to tour it around a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So where, where all have you been with it? And what was, what was that like? Well, um, I did it here in Oxford mm -hmm. and I specifically did it here because a couple of things, I want to do a couple of things. Number one, I wanted to get a video of it mm. and I wanted a video with a, a really enthusiastic audience and students and colleagues always make for enthusiastic audiences, very generous audiences and uh and then i also i wanted to have a performance under my belt before i went to the orlando international fringe theater festival in may so uh i thought it would help me kind of ease into that mm -hmm. again in front of a generous um audience of of people who are known to me and that was great and i guess also i i, I did want to um offer that kind of communal experience, which during the pandemic, we weren't really able to enjoy. And as we are emerging from that, we find that we're able to get back to those big communal experiences, which are so important, like it's who we are. We are narrative creatures, we are storytellers, we want to consume story, and together, not just by ourselves, but together. And so I wanted to offer that to our, our community as well, this opportunity to be together and and show them this kind of wild style that doesn't get done a lot, at least here in America. I think Americans aren't used to the avant-garde. They, they, they're used to, they like to see, we like to see, I'm an American too. We like to see what we already know. Oh, Oklahoma, I've seen that before, let's go. We'll see that. I, I know that, I'm very familiar with that. So I think, um, asking people to widen their comfort zone a little in the art they consume is is a valuable ask offering so i did it here and that was really fun and then i went to orlando in may and that was just a wild experience it was the first time i'd done the show four times in a row 
which was great because doing it, doing one-offs really hard on a performer because it's always opening night. It's like, oh my God, you just can't get into a routine. So to do it four times in a row felt really good to me, Lauren, the actor. I was like, oh yeah, I remember this. The whole day is about getting ready for that moment, the way I eat, the way I exercise, the way I sleep, what I do with myself all day is about working up to that moment of stepping backstage and getting my costume on and then telling the telling the tale. But it was interesting because um, the last day of the performance, um, I, I was kind of, I don't know, doing my day, went out and about, did some little touristy things and came back and looked at my email and my mother-in-law had sent me uh, email that said hope, hope the show's going well i'm sure you must be very upset about texas i'm like oh <laughs> my brother lives in texas all my aunts and uncles and cousins live in texas what's happened in texas so i looked and it was the what she was referring to was the uvalde shooting at the elementary school there and of course my show was about how vulnerable children are in our culture world in which we claim to value children, but our actions say otherwise. And I thought, oh my gosh, I can't do this show. How can I do this show? Because the first part, the first two thirds of it are just funny, silly, wild, naughty, you know, irreverent fun. How can I say those things? And behave that way when this horrible tragic event has happened i to be honest i spent that day crying <laughs> and wrestling with whether or not i could do should do the show and i finally decided that i should and i did and i have never had the experience of audience members needing to interact with me after the show in the way I did hmm. after that show. People literally lined up to touch me, to tell me about the Afghan children they had adopted, to hmm. cry with me, to thank me. Uh, it was really, it was, a very intense experience for me. I, I mostly was endeavoring to kind of hold the hold those emotions and hear them. It was a hard show for me to do. Mm. Um, uh, very emotional, and and so it, it in that way that was a very wild part of it. The other wild part of it was that nobody knew me there. I had a few friends in the area who came to see the show, but for the most part, I was an unknown entity in a community that is full of actors and performers because of Disney and Universal Studios and a lot of film things going on there. It is a very active, very talented pool. Mm -hmm. And I'm this unknown lady doing my clown show. And the audience, the first audiences were light. But uh, once the review came out, that last show was full up 
and people had been talking and all the people who were working and doing the shows, their shows there came to see as well. So it was just a big, big full house. And that was very satisfying that the longer I was there, the response was, oh, we want to see this show. We got to see this show. So that was very, very satisfying to me that people responded well. So it was wild in that way to be like this new face <laughs> and, and, and a good reminder, just hold the show, do the show. Each audience deserves me to come out and do the show as I planned, regardless of if there are two people or a hundred mm-hmm. or 200, mm-hmm. 20, whatever the number is, they, they deserve the same attention to detail and devotion to story as any other audience. So that was good practice for me um, to do that. Um, Yeah. Cool experience. And you did get wonderful reviews and I think won a couple of awards as well. I did. I did. I had a a really, uh, I panicked because it was the third night of four and one of the reviewers, I introduced himself to me he came up to me after the show like there's kind of a thing they do at that festival where the the actors interact with the audience afterwards mm-hmm. so it so i kind of when i'm in the costume and the makeup i feel obliged to stay in character so he came up to me afterwards i'm kind of in my in my clown character and he was like a really great show since you know tomorrow's the last show i don't think i'm going to write a review and i felt like my my heart dropped down to the floor because part of the reason I had gone was to get a review for my tenure and promotion. And I sort of like took him by the elbow. I was like, come speak with me outside. And I'm sort of half in my clown and half as Lauren saying, if there's anything you can do to please write even just a little something, I really need this for um, work. And I was trying to explain to him and he got confused and thought I meant I was a student. He's like, I can write your professor. And I'm like, no, I'm the professor. And it was, he was very sweet. He was so kind and so generous. And he's like, I, I just don't know, you know, I don't think I have time. And I was like, it, please don't worry about it. And then the next day I sent him a much more um, thoughtful, sane email, kind of explaining who I am and why I'd come to Orlando and what I was doing. And, and he later, I discovered actually just like a week ago, he did write a very nice thing later oh. after the festival closed. He said, I couldn't cover all the shows and here's one that I missed uh, a, a proper review, but he said some very nice things and I was so touched and grateful for that. But the other Orlando Sentinel did, that guy is like a machine. I mean, he reviews and reviews and reviews. He's incredible, a guy named Matt Palm. Wow, mm. but what a gift. So he gave me a very nice review and then he and Seth Kuberski, the other reviewer, selected my show with 12 others as best in fest and then they also gave me an award for best solo specialty show which was nice and then the next place i'm going is new york to united solo yes tell us a little bit about that festival united solo (laughs) is the world's largest solo theater festival and is a curated festival so they invite people you apply and they select and Um, It's over October and November. It's a long, month-long festival. Um, On Theater Row is the the venue, so an off-off-Broadway venue, which is 
you know, very exciting to me um, to bring my show to such a prestigious location. Um, and so that's exciting. So I'm doing that. And, and then I do have another offer in January, but I'm not allowed to say what it is because though I have signed the contract, they have not finalized all the shows that are going to be there. So um, I can't say, but that I do have another uh, contract to perform in January. And then I'm considering there's a, a festival in Chicago that I'm considering applying for. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. It's a lot to self produce. It's. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I kind of miss being just the actor now, suddenly, like, oh. <laughs> Way, you know, when you're the actor and then you get hired under an equity contract, you really are very limited. It's like they don't let you do other things. It's like, no, 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 you just do your acting part and we'll give you your costume and we'll provide you with a place to stay and we'll give you the script mm -hmm. and even highlighters and a pencil and we'll take you to the grocery store. And all you have to do is show up and act. And I, I'm missing that a little bit <laughs> in all my paperwork and applications and contracts and all that but it is once i get there and put my suit on it will all be worth worth it once i'm inhabiting that character it feels really really good to me wonderful yeah yeah um well is there anything else you would like to add about the show i will include in the show notes, you know, links for United Solo yeah. and dates and times and all that stuff. And well, um, I have a really cool Instagram. I have an Instagram page if people, oh, if people mention well, that. It's Fury we'll that the Show. Fury the Show is my Instagram page. Excellent. I think the one other thing, I mean, I do think there is some value in talking about clowning. I mean, if this is a, mm -hmm. I don't know who our audience is, but as a, uh, kind of a it's a, to me it's an interesting people are not really familiar with clowning really culturally as Americans we have a very rigid notion of what clowning is and I think when people hear that it's a clown show they naturally will be like it's for kids or you know <laughs> it's something that it's it's absolutely not um uh and it's also a traditionally male field mm -hmm. and i think there's great value for women identifying folks to be doing this craft in a very out there way <laughs> so i don't know if that if we have time to talk about that a little but to me it feels valuable um, in our academic craft to maybe touch on that a little bit but my my problem is Catherine I could go on and on and on about clowning and clowns why don't I just jump in <laughs> I'll, I'll watch the time there and I'll try to go on too long um so when I think about this show and like what it is I think that the three areas that help me consider and talk about it are the style, the story, and the substance. And the style, of course, is Buffon, which is a particular kind of clowning. 
but most people aren't familiar with Buffon. So if we start with clowns that we are familiar with, I think the clown that most people are familiar with is the birthday party clown, mm-hmm. which is really is a clown, but they do not typically do the verb, which is clowning, right? So they appear as clown, they have on the makeup and perhaps the wig and the colorful clothes and the big shoes. But that's kind of where it ends. And then they might, you know, make balloon animals or do a little light magic or um, some face painting, but there's no narrative, there's no character. And I, I think that this is why we have this kind of fear of clowns. There's a whole culture now of clowns being scary because when we see a creature that looks like one thing but is behaving like another, like if you see a person but they're behaving like a snake, that's that's going to be like, whoa. And if you see a person who is in this complete mask but they're not behaving as a character, it naturally we think that person is probably up to no good. <laughs> And so I think there's this whole culture now growing up around clowns being scary because the kind of clown we're really used to is this birthday party clown. But there are other kinds of clowns too. The performance clown is really the high status clown and the low status clown. And low status clowns are like Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton and more recently Bill Irwin, um, David Shiner, and of course, Abner Eisenberg. All men. I note, um, there aren't a lot of women doing clowning. And I think it's because clowns are not really designed for uh, a enticing gaze. They're vulnerable. They're um, often kind of shy. They're meek. They ha- they're asexual kind of beings. And, and so women, I can't even think of a famous woman clown, honestly. But those male clowns were really easy to kind of riff off. Um, But then there, so the low status clowns, they are like um, warm, engaging. They want the audience to love them. Often the world around them kind of baffles or befuddles them. And then suddenly they're doing something incredible like um, slack rope walking or juggling or doing magic or physical feats that are impressive. So it, it switches from this sort of timid being to somebody who's really good at something. And that's the magic of the low status clown. But the high status clown, which is Buffon, really doesn't care what the audience thinks about them at all. As a matter of fact, they love to mock the audience. They're satirical. They live to put up a mirror to human failings and foibles and laugh and laugh at them. Or on the flip side, cry and cry. So that's what these, this Buffon, that is the type of clown it is. Um, Comically cruel, (laughs) delightfully naughty, ribald, you know, body. And um, that's what she is. Um, And so I think that's a, a worthwhile thing to note when thinking about the style of the show. The clown is not what you think a clown is. And I think that's part of the delight for the audience is, 
what is this thing I'm watching? I really like it, but I don't know what it is or where it's going, what's going to happen. And I think that's the thing I love about doing it is it's such a, a surprise to everyone. Everyone feels, we feel like we're going on this thing together that is unknown, which is fun, I think, for people to experience. Mm -hmm. That was an excellent encapsulation. Well, it's important to me to think about or talk about, share these aspects of the work we do, because I think for young actors, it's so easy to think, well, all, all theater is, is this or that. There's so many ways to tell story and to engage with the audience. It's so exciting to me to break away from traditional forms and and play in these new worlds or different worlds and and to share that to a student so they feel like hey I could make something and not restricted to these very traditional formats or roles that are assigned to me I could play anybody I want which is part of the thing and for me honestly Catherine about making this character for myself I felt very restricted for many many years when I lived in New York City to playing a certain type of character I always got cast as the victim my characters always got like beat up or lousy husband or something wrong and I I kind of wanted to take charge of my personal artistry and be able to tell a, a more complicated story than just that the wife or the girlfriend or whatever mm -hmm. <laughs> boring <laughs> anyway i wanted to tell a story of a comical murderess <laughs> i love it <laughs> that's that well um as ever, it has been lovely <laughs> visiting with you today. It's always lovely to visit with you. Once Let's again, do it again, that was Lauren Bone Noble, assistant professor of Movement for the Actor, telling us all about her solo show, Fury. For more information about the show and upcoming performances, please check out our show notes. We've got several links in there. And if you're in New York, November 12th and 13th, we hope you'll go see the show. And if you do, introduce yourself to Lauren and uh, tell her we sent you. Until next time, this is stage and screen.